Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where we talk Vikings. Today's show features the playoffs, Deshaun Watson, and our cap situation. Hey everybody, it's Dave here. And you know what today is? It's Happy Tuesday. I hope you have your beverage of choice ready because we're going to start off talking with Climbing the Pocket Networks in the huddle. Are you ready to start? We are. I'm going to turn it over to Jason right now and add Nick. Jason, it's all yours. All right. Thank you, Dave. Uh, And there he is. Nick is back. We got the full shot. We can see the books. And here we are. We are ready to go. Playoffs started. Vikings weren't in it. But there's still football. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some of the other stories that have been milling about on Vikings Twitter. And then we're going to start the uh, unenviable task of trying to figure out some of the difficult decisions the Vikings will, uh, will need to make this offseason as it pertains to people on their own roster. So uh, before we go any further, I introduce everyone. My name is Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And uh, let's go around the room. And we're going to start with the order people showed up today. So uh, wide receiver one, Miles. What up? How you doing? How you been? I'm doing all right. Just getting by. Getting by. All right. <laughs> And switching things up here, next up, Mr. Flip, I Hate Mock Drafts, Mozzie. How you doing? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I was going to talk some some shade on those mock drafts, but now we got Nick here, so I guess I'll tone it down. <laughs> All right. And uh, last but not least, Mr. Olson. Mr. Olson, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Long time no see, huh? Yeah, long time, long time. The analytics department is back after our wonderful mock done. draft yesterday where Nick was forced to step up and uh, and replace Kirk Cousins. It hurt him to and his I'm, core. I'm all in on it. I'm throwing out Deshaun Watson. Trade scenarios, my mentions are a mess. So uh, so I've, I've totally turned heel on Kirk now. There we go. We got time. We will get you, to that. You went Everson Griffin on Kirk, man. Can't believe it. <laughs> Exactly. It was funny how, uh, for it seemed a large portion of Vikings Twitter, that was the first time that they realized that Mike Zimmer did not like her cousins. Oh man! All right, so flip. I'm uh, I'm flip. I'm going to you first. I'm gonna flip it to you because you told us we needed to be watching these playoffs so that we could learn something as Vikings fans about what it was we actually should want and not just what we think we want from how this team would be built going forward. So we had some fun games, some yeah, games. Flip, talk to me. Playoffs, wild cards, extra games. What are your takeaways? What did we learn? What was your favorite game of the weekend? Oh, wow. So, I mean, favorite game, um, you know, it was it was close between just the the uh Colts Bills game and the Titans Ravens game for me. Um, you know, I think a lot of people probably enjoyed that Colts Bills game the most, just with it was a tight game all the way through. Um, exciting plays, great offense on both sides of the ball. It seemed like the better team actually lost that game. And I'm not saying that the Colts are better than the Bills, but I'm saying the the Colts showed up showed up. To play that game on Saturday and, and they just had a few bounces of the ball they missed out on like three or four opportunities to to swing the momentum with a key offsides uh with with some key miss miss passes by Philip Rivers and that was enough for literally Buffalo to win by three points I think the Colts even missed a field goal it shows the the margin there was that close so I think that was a fun game but I really, you know, I tend to enjoy defensive football a little more than most people. And so I don't need these high scoring, you know, Pittsburgh, Cleveland games or whatever we're going to see in Kansas City next week. I just I love the the chess game that Baltimore and Tennessee played 
Um, it was amazing to see Lamar Jackson just basically turn around that game on a moment's notice. He looked like one of the worst quarterbacks and then lightning strike. He's in the end zone. Game is tied. Baltimore takes over and their defense shuts down one of the best uh, offensive schemes and the best running back in the NFL. So that was really good to see. And another tight game all the way through. Yeah, the best running back in the NFL did not carry his team to victory. How sad did that make you, Flip? (laughs) Oh, it didn't make me sad at all. Look, that was amazing defense. And we talk about the best offensives in the NFL. We talk about the best offensive schemes. One thing that always popped out about the Tennessee Titans all year long was that even though they were producing offensively, um, they had one of the weaker offensive lines. They had a, a bottom half, I think, bottom quartile unit in terms of PFF offensive line uh, pass blocking and run blocking grade. So for Baltimore to take that to heart, to man up and shut down the men in front of Derrick Henry, that was not too surprising to see, but it was cool to see. And uh, after this weekend, uh, given the ups and downs, are you still sure that Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield? (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure that kirk cousins is a better quarterback than baker mayfield so uh i mean you wanna you wanna mess with lamar you better you better bring it again and consistently over a long period of time so i you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna start talking about baker mayfield who's basically his offensive talent willed him into the playoffs and he's relying on bad snaps and bad interceptions from Ben Roethlisberger to flip his hat backwards and brag about winning a football game. See you in Kansas City, Baker. <laughs> All right. Flip coming out hot. Miles, talk to me, man. Playoffs, what did you take away? What lessons are there in these games about how the Vikings could be doing things differently? Clifford is talking to us about what we can learn from Cleveland since, it, I mean, in many ways it is the same scheme. What were your takeaways? What were the games that you really enjoyed from this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think the noon games were probably my favorite games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the the Bills, the Bills and Titans game, and then the our Colts, I should say, and then the Titans Ravens game. Those are my two favorite games of the weekend. Um, watching, I mean, my boy Diggs. I mean, he went off uh, in the playoffs. Nothing usual for him. Um, balling out for the Bills and helping the Bills uh, onto the, into the playoffs and like uh, and move forward. Um, that offense is fun to watch. I mean, it is. I mean, watching uh, the progression Josh Allen's been able to make and then that offense in general around an elite receiver like Stephon Diggs. Um, I don't I th- we talked about this yesterday, Flip. But I don't even know if um, if it's uh, what the full numbers are, but the Bills probably run the ball less than any team in the league. At least that's what it feels like. That's OK. I think the way that they've handled things, it's gone. Um, and Josh Allen's ability to run the ball has helped them not need to. Uh, run the ball as, as much as um, you see a lot of other, other teams do it. So um, that was it's been impressive to see because the Colts uh, the Colts defense is no slouch either. They've played really well all season, and the, and the Bills were able to kind of handle them a little bit uh, pretty well. So yeah, um, I'm excited to kind of see what the Bills do moving forward. Um, like I said, the Ravens-Titans game was a lot of fun, um, to your point, Flip, talking about Lamar Jackson, watching him get his first playoff win. Um, I'm excited to kind of see that. That Ravens Browns game uh, that should be really good. Real Clifford's quick, re- real quick on on your point about the Bills running the ball, they 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 don't run the ball that much, and no. part of it is like it's just such a cool blend of their talent because yes, they're using Josh Allen's legs, yes, they have three great wide receivers, so they should be passing the ball more, but they're also, I mean. The Bills, more than un- any other team, when you watch them, they may not be handing it off, but they they scheme so many like three yard running back swing easy. passes and yep. outs, easy just easy like angle routes, just easy ways to get the running backs the ball on first down and get you know four or five yards. And maybe it's not it's not maybe it's you know not a fit an actual run play, but the intention of the play is the same as a run you're just not you're being more uh you're you're being more schematic about it and and basically you're you're scheming up matchups for your running backs as well as your wide receivers in the pass game it's so cool to see that definitely yeah Miles, with you and if you go to running backs don't matter 
uh, the Bills <laughs> this year uh, with uh, games not in garbage time were the third pass heaviest team on early downs, trailing only Houston and uh, Kansas City. So okay, so you, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. What you're seeing makes perfect sense. They are very pass yeah. heavy, and it was actually also cool to see something that as Vikings fans that we don't see maybe as often as we'd like is like late in the game, you know, Bills are up, but they were still staying true to who they were and still yeah. coming out firing on on first down, not trying to go and just run clock, just continuing to try to score and maximize every possession, which was something that was a uh, a lot of fun to see as well. Nick, how about you? Yep. Uh, playoffs. Wait, wait, I want to make. I wanted to make one point. One point. Yeah, go ahead. Man. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Mike Mike Vrabel. Is what he how he handled that game is is a fireball offense in my opinion. Like that man, I'm not saying they would have won the game, they would have beat the Ravens, but like that man cowered from going for it, and it was and and he chose chose to punt in the fourth quarter on the other side of the fifty with under it was like fourth and two, and he decided to punt. Um, I, I don't I don't understand. I I really I, just kind of like what we saw with. Uh, the Steelers, I know the Steelers deficit was a little bit more, but like choosing to punt in the fourth quarter when you're down and giving the ball back to the to, to offenses that have that have been playing well, it makes zero sense to me. So I but, but I like just, what about your crazy. defense? So it I'm I agree in both of those scenarios, you should not be punting the ball. Those are bad calls. But at some point you have to say, look, a head coach should have confidence in his team, and half of his team is his defense. So when you punt the ball, you're basically saying, look, defense, go out there and stop these people. But so, that doesn't mean it's going to work. <laughs> no, it <laughs> like, doesn't. But at least, should, at least on offense, never have at, that least confidence? On offense, at least on offense, you get to dictate the, the tempo, the scenario. You get to, you get to dictate what, what's going on. So like, like you're trying to score. The, the whole point of the game is to score points. It's harder to score on defense when you give the ball away. Like it's hard. How are you going to score when you give the ball away? So when you, you keep you the ball, them. you're continuing to give yourself opportunities to score. So like if you're trying to take away opportunities to score, you punt the ball, and that's what they both did. A, a punt is a bet on your defense. That's what it is. In in eighty percent of cases, a punt is a bet on your defense to stop the other team. And well, I just think we're at a yeah. we're at a point no, in the yeah. NFL where we're basically asking head coaches to basically not have confidence in their defense ever. But they shouldn't because only okay. one thing has to go That's wrong in defense. I mean, it's just, it's, it's harder That's, to, it's to stop teams. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but like, yeah, I, I think, and I saw that, I think I saw a tweet that like that ranked that, that punt for coward, like on the cowardly index. I don't know if you have it, Nick, but it was like <laughs> the most, one of the most cowardly punts in, uh, like the last ten years or something like that. Uh, oh yeah, it, it was a it was a terrible it was a terrible punt again. And I but so often it's the phrasing is, well he doesn't trust his offense. the The flip side is he's he's coached his defensive team, his defensive players for seven days. He schemed up ideas on how they are supposed to stop the other team. And at some point, you have to see that effort bear fruit in a game, in a key moment, in a playoff game. Yeah, y'all see David over here baiting us. We got commenters talking about they want the Bills to lose so they can see Diggs cry. What kind of nonsense is that? Let that hate go. Just let a great player be great. We got Justin Jefferson. We still got Adam Thielen. We got people Wait, over here. We got weapons. No, but DK was crying like Diggs. DK was crying like Diggs. How can we say that? How can we say that as Vikings fans say, I want to see Diggs cry, but Diggs, Diggs is still in a better situation than he was in Minnesota. <laughs> Whether they win or lose, his future looks better and where he's at. And he was right for what he said. And his career trajectory in terms of what he what he's looking for is a hundred percent right. So like you could say you want him to cry, but like he was right. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all done triggered Miles and Jason. I mean, I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny that, like, at this point, we just got to let that go, man. Just let that man go be great. You know? Let him go be great. We got Justin Jefferson. Like Flip says, has said many times, you don't have to agree with his tactics, but ultimately what he was looking to go accomplish for the longevity of his career or whatever you want to call it, 
he made the right move for himself. NFL players don't have a lot of leverage. First the few things pro. they can do is make a lot of noise and make your team want to let go. You can't even hold out anymore. So, like, really, that's the one leverage point you have is be a pain in the ass. He pulled it. He got himself to a better situation. Let's all move on. Let him be great. Let's worry about what's going on on our team. And, uh, yeah, Nick, how did you feel about the games over Amen. the weekend? Amen. We were hoping Not, for sadness. I thought it was a great place. <laughs> I thought it was a great slate this weekend. Uh, I mean, obviously, the two closest games and the two most like back and forth entertaining were Bills, Colts, and uh, Titans, Ravens. But um, you know, I also really enjoyed seeing the Browns get their first playoff win in in a lifetime for a lot of folks. Uh, I'm still really rooting for Stefanski, so that was um, as a team who went into the game rooting for the Browns from like the first snap. That was just a joy. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys caught the Nickelodeon cast, but that was entertaining at least the game wasn't great but it was it was a little bit different from what you normally see but yeah i thought um the i i thought ravens Titans was interesting because it's two super run it's the two run heaviest team in the league teams in the league and we think like the vikings are very run heavy but like the titans are even run heavier and they do their own flavor of wide zone and the ravens are the run heaviest i believe um and and they've got lamar jackson with that amazing sort of read option based offense and so that was a lot of fun to watch um, but just in terms of like the players, the talent, I, I just really like watching that Bills offense. I like what Ro- Brian Dable does on offense. I think Josh Allen is just like, he might be the most entertaining guy to watch in the entire NFL. I know he's probably not the best quarterback, but just in the combination of the arm talent, like, like, you know, he'll just like flip the ball with his wrist and they'll like shoot like a laser of 50 yards downfield or something. And he's also like one of the, one of the great young athletes in the league too. It's, he's a lot of fun to watch. Diggs is obviously phenomenal. Beasley's great too. So they've got, they've got a lot of interesting weapons and I liked watching them. Um, and, you know, Philip Rivers, I think is high in the entertainment value too, just because of him. he's so like animated, like he's almost like a cartoon character getting all like excited and everything. So that was a fun back and forth game. I thought that was probably the fun one the most fun but yeah they were all it was a good slate of, it was a good slate of games that past week and hopefully next week can live up to it too yeah it was, it was good to see Stefanski succeed even even from his basement one thing about the Browns is yes the Steelers made some mistakes but like you you could see the effort just the second they smelled any blood in the water they got maximum effort B red, C red from every single one of their players. They were converting every short field into a touchdown. They were pancaking guys. They kept the gas on the pedal to get up to that 28 point lead. And it's just, I don't, I don't think we say enough about how much confidence and how much togetherness you need as a team to, to see those mistakes from the other team and look at each other and be like, we're doing this right now. We're going for, we're, we're chopping, we're chop, we're taking this ax and we're chopping the head off of this guy's neck. You know, um, it was really, it was awesome to see that from a team that's gone through a lot of heartache for a long time. Yeah. And you can see that doubt creep in for, for Pittsburgh, a team that, uh, right. you know, at 11 and 0 was getting a little salty when, when the nerds were telling them that they were overrated. Uh, and then they, you know, went on a string of losses and then this, you know, after talking a lot of smack before the game, too, which, uh, yeah, Miles, let me get your thoughts on that, because this is one of those things I think is misconstrued a little bit. Folks uh, have started maybe turning on Juju a bit. He was, you know, uh, an NFL darling not very long ago, winning folks championships in fantasy football. People are loving him on social media. And then obviously, you know, this season things turn sideways and uh, now Juju's being kind of painted as a uh, as a bad guy, and so like, what are what are your thoughts on kind of you know, how things have, have flipped in the narrative? There are many dislikable players on the Steelers. Like, if you're picking some, I don't right, know that, right. that that Juju would make it into my top ten. Juju's not even in the top fifteen. Like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it like. People hate outspoken people, and like, I don't know. Juju's done everything since he's been in the league to like show that he's. Sure, he may be an overrated player, but that doesn't make him an overrated like human being. Like he's a good dude, and like when camera gets into your face and asks you a question, what I, I I what like he backed it up on uh, Sunday. Like I'm not saying they won, they didn't win the game. Um, he actually had a pretty decent game overall in terms of stats, but um, that like 
you put a, a camera in his face and ask him what he thinks of the Browns. Don't we, as as fans of the NFL, love rivalries? We talk about rivalries rivalries all the time. Like, don't we love talking shit about like the Packers, the Bears, the Lions? Like, Vikings fans love to do that all shit all the time. So when Juju comes out and talks shit about the Browns, even if like people are like, oh man, how could you say that about the Browns? He's, it's a rivalry. He's trying to create buzz around something that we all are being entertained for. Like, that's what I loved about it. That's what I appreciated about it. Like, so like you taking it personal is it like as a fan watching from the outside in, like you shouldn't be taking that personal. You should be loving that. Like I love fuel to the fire. Like that's what I'm really into. I'm into shit talking. Like I want to hear more of it. I want to hear more of people talking shit about rivalries. Like, like Vikings fans love to do it about the Packers, about the bears. They love to do that. So like, I want to see more of that. And like, but to Jason's point, like he's not a Juju's not a bad person. Juju's not this villain. Like Juju likes to entertain people on social media and he likes to like put his name and his brand out there. What's wrong with that? He's a young dude who understands social media. He understands the effectiveness of what a brand is and he understands a way to make money outside of his contract. Like that's that thing to me. And he's not, he's not breaking any laws. He's not doing anything in terms of like disrupting their locker room. I think the outside noise is what created the quote unquote distraction of what Juju did this season. It wasn't, juju himself in my opinion so i don't think juju is a bad person i don't think Ju- what juju is doing is wrong i think this the steelers going 11 and 0 juju was doing everything all those things before and they went 11 0 but they started losing so then it becomes a well if juju wasn't doing this maybe they wouldn't they wouldn't be losing these games no that's bullshit that's just people's <laughs> way of like deflecting blame onto uh what we all saw was a paper tiger in the pittsburgh steelers and that they weren't as good as what the record showed but- but it's bad smack talk. And here's my thing with Juju. But why? Is I just, but why? Because it doesn't, it doesn't endear your, it doesn't build a team culture or inspire your own team to win. How is saying the Browns are just the Browns? That just means you're not taking them seriously. That's not true. That's what I'm saying. Juju didn't go into that game thinking, in literal terms, the Browns are the Browns. We're going to roll them. This game doesn't, like, he was just trying to create buzz and talk shit about a team that they're supposed to be rivals I, with him i, I just him, think you can separate good smack talk from bad smack that, talk like you can say that all you want but that did not change the game and how the game was played like juju didn't I know, I don't see, it's that bad snap was juju's fault right like no, those I'm, scenarios I'm, like i'm not saying any of that but just dude the browns is the that's just like a weak phrase like that's like saying mike, that's like mike zimmer saying well we were injured like just like that's not that doesn't really add anything to what you're going to do. It creates buzz around their game. That's all I'm saying he's trying to do, and it yeah, worked. Yeah, if, if that's his goal, fine. But, like, a, a, he could have been – he could have said much stronger things like, look, I, I'm I'm going against these weak-ass DBs, and I'm going to go out there and eat this game. Like, that's smack talk, right? Right, note. Talk to him, Mary. Tell him. Tell him what's up, Mary Fisk. Handle them folks up. in the comments. Let them know what's going on. All right, These we've talked enough about that. <laughs> We're going to keep it moving along to, uh, to some stuff that we've been doing these last couple days, going full heel on Kirk Cousins. So we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit here about Deshaun Watson. And uh, the Deshaun's been in the news a little bit here because I guess he's been quietly outspoken because we actually haven't heard much from Deshaun himself. But there's a lot of quotes coming out from unnamed sources Talking about what's going on with the Texans, Deshaun being a bit disgruntled, thought maybe he'd made it out from under the Patriot way, only to find out that, uh, nope, they just moved one out to bring another one in, and he's not really feeling it. They're not looking to bring it in his coaches, and he'd be open to maybe moving to another team. Miami's a team that's floated out there, which would be amazing if they could just get Deshaun by trading the pick that they already stole from Houston back to Houston. Like That would be great. But of course, you know, as much as Vikings fans like like Kirk Cousins, when Deshaun Watson talk gets on the timeline, all of us start to dream just a little bit about what it might be like to have a Deshaun Watson in purple. Nick, talk to me, man. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Nick, tell me, what are your thoughts? What do you think it would take? And uh, do you think this sort of deal would actually be something that would be beneficial to the Vikings over the long term? Because I've heard some people say... No. 
It's a pretty crazy situation. This is almost unprecedented having, uh, you know, a top five, probably 25 year old quarterback be available potentially on the trade market. It's just insanity. This is the type of player, you know, you, you don't trade away. Um, what would it take for the Texans to trade them? See it being unprecedented makes it really hard to talk about. Really, the only possibly comparable situation was the Jay Cutler trade. I think we all think of Jay Cuddy as like, you know, the, the, the lackadaisical doesn't care guy in Chicago tossing up interceptions. But he was he was like a really hot quarterback when he and he had some really great years um, when we first came out in Denver uh, before he eventually demanded a trade, got traded to the Bears. Bears traded two first round picks, a third round pick and Kyle Orton, who was kind of like a borderline starter type quarterback. Um, so if you use that as, as the as the precedent. And then you say, okay, it would probably take something like that. Maybe, I mean, Watson is better, but he's also demanding a trade. So who knows what else, <laughs> who knows what else would be out there? What would you give? The one that I threw out on Twitter today, which is basically, this is the best offer I would get. And if the Texans say no, or they demand more, I would probably just say no. What I threw out today was our 2021 first, Neil Hunter, Kirk Cousins, and a third. So you give them Kirk Cousins, a downgrade, a quarterback, but he's still an above average quarterback. You give him Daniil Hunter, who, if you know, you think back to the Khalil Mack trade, that's like not quite two first rounders worth of, but like a 26 year old in his prime pass rusher, you know, a premium position. You give him another first rounder they can build around. You give him a third round pick. You know, the Texans are sitting on zero draft capital right now. Their first pick is like at pick 100 or something. So you give him a couple things to, to this year to build around Daniil Hunter, who, you know, it, when, Ian Rappaport reported earlier this year that Hunter was looking at demanding a new contract going into this next year. We'll see if that's real or not. But there's a possibility, I think, that Hunter might be swirling around in the trade rumors some more. So I thought it might make more sense to throw Hunter in there. I know Vikings don't really have much pass rush in there. But that was when you're thinking about who you would need to give up to get a player of Deshaun Watson's caliber, probably the most valuable player long term other than that Patrick Mahomes in the league right now. You kind of have to give up your own untradeable guys. So you, you throw in not just Kirk Cousins, but also Daniil Hunter, your two probably most valuable Vikings, other than maybe Justin Jefferson. Dawson, a first rounder. If the Texans come back and say, no, we want next year's first rounder too, that's where I'd probably walk away. But if the Texans say, like, we'll give you, we'll, we'll take that, then yeah, I would give up all that as a treasure trove to say, like, we got a 25-year-old franchise quarterback who's very, very good. And even if we're not very good in 21, I bet we'll be very good for a long time after that. So... That's what I would do. Um, it's it's tough though, and you can look at it from so many different angles. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, flip. You, you heard Nick's offer. We have some folks out here feeling like Bill O'Brien is still in the building. We got a ham sandwich. We got a long snapper and a six rounder for Watson. What are your thoughts on this? That potentially, like gutting the roster in the short term giving away like your your star power and really your premium draft capital for a year with the thoughts of building for the future uh, to land a player like a Deshaun Watson. What are your thoughts on on those sorts of hypotheticals? Yeah, I, you know, I, I love this idea. Deshaun Watson is an amazing quarterback and would completely just reframe the narrative we have for the Minnesota Vikings right now, it, it, it would it be worth gutting the roster to do, um, especially the defense a hundred percent. It would be, I think you have to ask questions of, is he a scheme fit number one? And you have to ask questions about the price about continuing to try to build around a highly priced quarterback with even less talent on the defensive side of the ball. That's going to require an amazing draft strategy uh, and amazing drafting for a team that already doesn't have a second round pick and wouldn't have a first round pick. And it begs the question, well, if you really want to get a, you, if you really want to start to build around a quarterback, then why not just get a young quarterback who's got some cheap, some 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 cheap years, uh, three or four cheap years, um, is is that riskier? Yes, but it's also a lot cheaper. And the fourteenth pick that the Vikings have right now, you could potentially move maneuver or get a Trey Lance or think about a Mac Jones and just say, 
Is it, can we do, can we build properly around Deshaun Watson, given that we failed doing it with Kirk Cousins? Yes, he's better, but do we have the rest of the strategy that comes with a Deshaun Watson? And I really, I just don't have a good feeling that the Vikings have that right now. Miles, bring me home. Because one of the things I was kind of thinking is that with a player like a Deshaun Watson, when you get a quarterback like that, you sometimes get players wanting to come play with that guy, maybe taking a little bit less here and there. Players maybe looking to revitalize their career, figure like I'm going to go play with like a Deshaun Watson on a maybe on a, on a, on a one year type of deal. Like the type of things we heard have not been happening since the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins might go the other direction where you got guys actually kind of signing up to come play here because you get to play with a Deshaun Watson. Might that be enough to sway you in that direction, even though it is going to make, like Flip said, uh, the rest of your roster construction very challenging. It's probably going to make you make some, I guess, hard-ish decisions with like Dalvin Cook and some of the other contracts potentially on the offensive side of the ball. Which way do you lean on this, Miles? I mean, I'm 100% trading for a franchise-type quarter, young franchise-type cornerstone like Deshaun Watson. Um, I think to everybody's points here that like the amount it'll cost to do it, it's a lot. And that's that's not to say you still can't be successful once you bring him in, because that's the point of bringing him in is to him. Him in itself is to help create uh, worse situ- situations elsewhere that you can't you can't afford to you can't afford to pay for. So um, which is like Deshaun Watson can make other players better that I don't think Kirk, in some areas Kirk Cousins can't do. So that I 100% agree with, and I would you know would love to bring that and have that kind of player in this in this system in this team uh, to be the face of the franchise. Um, I I do think the um, the expense like the Daniel Hunter aspect of it to to what Nick's scenario was I'm okay with. Uh, I know some people would be like, oh no, no way you you can't trade Daniel Hunter. I think Daniel Hunter is a fantastic you know phenomenal player, all pro level player. Um, but I've seen a lot of other other points like his impact isn't as great as what the quarterback impact is. And so to create that amount of impact from the quarterback position uh, is like that once in a generation type, you know, we talk about like top five, top three, top four type quarterbacks in the league. Only a few teams have them. Uh, Everybody else wants that player. And so to me, if you can get that player, you go get them. And so for me, I'm all about doing that. I do think it would be tough. The Vikings aren't in a situation like, let's say hypothetically, like the Miami Dolphins. Um, they're in a better cap situation. They're in a better situation looking forward, where you probably see, you know, where they have draft they have draft pick capital that they can move the, um, and they already have a, a foundation rebuilt um, over the last year and a half, two years that uh, the Vikings really don't have. I mean, I think the Vikings have some foundational pieces to build around, but the Dolphins have a they're. A, the Dolphins are more ready to win right now than the Minnesota Vikings are heading into 2021. So if I were the Houston Texans, I, I told you this, Jason, if I were the Houston Texans, the Miami Dolphins are one of the only teams in the NFL I'd be willing to trade Deshaun Watson to based off what they can send back. Uh, what do they have? The fourth overall pick, which was the Houston Texans pick in the first place. But getting that <laughs> getting that pick back, getting uh, Miami's other first-round pick, getting a young, cheap quarterback in uh, Tua Viola. Viola, I've always been terrible at saying his name. Tua, getting a young quarterback like Tua back that you can help build around because they're if the, if the if the Texans are moving Deshaun Watson, they're rebuilding their entire roster. Well, they're re- already rebuilding their front office and their and their head coaching position. So if this is the time that this would be the time to do it, might as well rebuild around a young quarterback that you don't have to now use those early draft picks on to retain. So now you can use those picks as you know whether you trade back or as other um, points to help reload your roster. So for me, that those would be those that would be one of the only teams I'd be willing to trade trade with because you can get that young co- potential franchise quarterback into yeah. a um, back in return, which you're not getting in a, with the Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins gives you a good baseline, but if you're looking to truly start over, you know the Miami Dolphins would be one of the better scenarios to do that with. Yeah, last I mean, word, if- flip. If you can, if you can get promise me a new coach and a new GM, I am all for this bottom. No, no matter what. Yeah, hundred percent. But like, if the Texans have proved anything, it's that you can ruin Deshaun Watson. You can, you can mess that up. And how did the Texans mess that up? Well, they they surround. They made a heavy investment at running back. 
hmm, what other team has done that? Uh, they missed the running back over a wide receiver. We literally watched it happen. We literally watched it happen. Uh, they the Texans misevaluated their offensive line. Hmm, what's another team that has done that? You know, the the Texans tried to build their defense around one star player, and the defense fell off a cliff when that star player got injured. Hmm, what other team has done that? <laughs> so it's like we got to make sure we got the whole thing here if we bring in Deshaun. You're saying we're a chin dimple away from being the uh, the Texans is what is what Flip is telling us today. That's a that's a terrifying proposition. All right, Miles, I'm gonna let you kick us off here to talk about the unenviable task the Vikings have ahead of them this off season. You've told me about some of your favorite free agents. Now I want to tell you, I want you to tell me where we're gonna find the money to sign these dudes because uh, I've been messing around <laughs> with some of these Sims and. Uh, no, we broke. Like we you got to clean that house before you move into new furniture. You got to clean it up. Well, so so here's the thing: the Vikings are in right now. The Vikings are obviously in a really shitty cap situation. Um, the one thing that none of us know. I would assume teams have a better idea of where the cap's going to be than anybody, of course. But we ex- so we know that the the cap won't be lower than 175 million, but we don't expect it to be any higher than 200 million. Which that's not you know so. At best, it's yeah, it's flat from 2020. At worst, it's below that, and the Vikings are hurting really badly. Not worse than the Saints or the Eagles. Those teams are – they might as well um, quit the league and find something new to do. Um, that's how bad their really situations did. are right now. Um, but the Vikings at, at least have an opportunity to help create some flexibility with the cap. They have a few players that they can cut, that they can help create some cap space that are expendable. Um, the two players for me – so let's say hypothetically the cap stays at like ours around like 190. That at least gives them a few million dollars to play with heading into free agency. Um, at least then they're not below the tax line, um, which we don't want them to be at. Um, but so the two names that come up first for me that you need to clean house with and, and never look back. Uh, you thank them for their service. Um, but Kyle Rudolph is number one for me. Um, Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin have shown that they can, they can be the guys to move forward with this, the tight end game, the tight end uh, position. Uh, Rudolph has been a, a valuable player for this team. He has. I'm not going to discredit that. Um, he's done great in the community. He's not a guy that you like. You you. He's the type of guy you would like to see retire a Viking, but at the same time, it's business. So the business has come. He's at a point where, like, for his pay and and what they're asking him to do, he's not worth it anymore in Minnesota. So he's the type of guy you you see. Top five. He's a top five tight end from yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but no, he's a guy you say thank you. He's the guy you say thank you to and you and you and move on and save. I think I think the the pre-June one cut is like five point one million or something right in that range you save um against the cap if you cut him. So you get a million dollars back that you can use elsewhere. Um the other guy is Shamar Stefan. Um I know a lot of people have <laughs> hated on this man. And I, I, I commend him for what they asked him to do in 2020, uh, losing Michael Pierce and kind of um, – I commend him in stepping into a role that – he. I mean, he's he's not good. Um, not – you know, no offense to him. Like, but, like, he's a good dude. He does he, – he, he, it sounds like he does a lot of what they like – they want him to be – to do that we're not seeing – um, that's fine, but like he's truly an expendable player across his defensive line, especially with Michael Pierce coming in. Um, you treat Michael Pierce as a free agent at this point because that's just kind of what he is. Uh, he didn't play in 2020. He's healthy heading into 2021, so he's a free agent for me. Um, he's a guy that can fill that role um, really well. Um, so those are the top two names for me. And then when you look at the rest of the team, um, you know, you'd be cutting lower level players like a Drew Samia to save like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. Um, you cut the long snapper. What that? He they already cut him once. Cut him again. Um, uh, cutting Austin. Cutting. He shouldn't be here. He was he was that bad. But they signed him to the practice squad. Um, cut him. Save a, a few hundred thousand. Whatever. But um, the real names you really got to look at um, at this point now. Heading into the, the start of the new league year, um, Riley Reef's the most important player that um, in terms of what you do with him because. Uh, his, uh, I think it's his base salary or whatever, how, whatever it is, I don't know the exact terminology, uh, becomes guaranteed at like the third day of the new league year. So, um, when, uh, Riley Reef took the pay cut in August, um, he, you know, the Vikings, 
um, helped move his timeline up for making a decision on his on his contract in 2021 in order to get the pay cut done. So that did uh, a service for both Riley Reef and for uh, the Vikings. So they have to make a decision early. Do they extend him? Uh, do they cut him? For me, I, I personally believe that they should extend him at this point. I think he played well enough in 2020 that you extend him, you extend out a, his contract to a couple more years, slap him a few uh, few more dollars, um, and then you kind of uh, solidify that position for a couple more years. Uh, but if they want to move uh, Ezra Cleveland back to left to left tackle where they originally drafted him to be, you save 11, over $11 million to cut um, Riley Reef. It doesn't mean you have a, an answer at left tackle, but you at least have someone in place to put there. So um, I'm, I'm with either one. I prefer to keep Riley Reef, but if they don't, at least they have someone that they, they somewhat believe in to fill that shoes. And then the other guy is Harrison Smith. I think he's got like a $10 million cap hit. Um, no guaranteed money left. He's the perfect guy that you look to extend. Um, he's, the, he's the perfect player that you want to see retire a Viking. You don't want to see him go anywhere else. Um, you hand him some more guaranteed money. Uh, extend his contract out a few more years, lower his 2021 cap hit from the 10 million. It is, I don't know what the number would be uh, in 2021, but it'd be lower than what it is. Uh, get, give him more guaranteed money and save yourself some money in 2021. Uh, and you still have that foundational piece at the back end of your defense. So that would be the first few things that I do. If I was the Vikings, um, I'm cutting Shamar and Riley, and then I'm extending or cutting uh, Riley reef. And then I'm extending Harrison Smith to save some money. Okay. Flip. Can you answer Mary's question very quickly? Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. Who do you want as a coordinator? Arthur Smith. Okay, the answer never changes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Consistency from Flip. All right, Nick. You pay up all that for Deshaun Watson so he can keep running the ball so much. <laughs> yep. I mean, Watson do like you got got Arthur Smith is going to be great. He's he's a great schemer, so I I really like him, but. <laughs> All right, Nick, you heard everything Miles had to say. Uh, are, you, are you doing the same thing? Is there any way that you would go differently? Any surprise cut from you? Because I think most of us have kind of started to hone in. Okay, Kyle Rudolph seems like you know an easy cut. Shamar Stefan, okay, like no one is going to be upset about that. But uh, as you look at things for the Vikings, I mean, they're tight. So there might have to be some decisions that people yeah. aren't really happy about. Um, who might be a surprise cut for you as you're going through and kind of looking at things as the Vikings try to make some money to uh, sure up some other areas of the team? Yeah, it's tough for there to be like a surprise cut because at this point we're already kind of expecting the worst, planning for the worst. So if you want to get, if the cap falls all the way to the 175 million floor, Rudy Shamar and probably Reef too are all gone. You know, you'd like to keep Reef because the offensive line has been such a struggle and he's done an admirable job. And honestly, he's, his contract isn't bad. You know, he's like a, he's not a good left tackle, but he's a decent enough left tackle. And average left tackles get paid what, like fifteen plus million dollars, and he's under the cap for like I don't know thirteen million. And if you cut him, you'd save eleven million. So like, yeah, it's eleven million dollars. But like, market rate for left tackles is a lot more than that. So it's not a bad contract necessarily. But just right now, the Vikings have you know one hundred ninety million on the cap in terms of liabilities for next year because everybody thought you know cap would be two hundred ten million next year, and then COVID hit. So Vikings are kind of caught. A lot of teams are kind of caught with a lot less money than they thought they would. If there were a surprise, I would think um, I, I'd go two ways here. I think it's possible they find a trade partner for Riley Reef. I think Reef is a good enough left tackle, and he can be a spot starter or a serviceable good enough starter for a lot of teams. And you know, when when you've seen Drew Samia out there, you've seen TJ Clemmings out there, having just like a good enough guy is still really valuable. And I think, you know, you look at teams like, uh, you know, Anthony Costanza just retired today. Um, maybe there's maybe there's a chance to trade Reef over there. Um, you know, the Eagles need left tackle help. There are a lot of teams. I mean, there's a lot of teams that need tackle help. So, you know, Reef right now, I think it's possible. It wouldn't be a lot, probably like a six round draft pick maybe, but you could maybe see if there's a trade market for him. The other guy who I, I probably wouldn't see it, but I guess it would have totally shocked me is Anthony Barr. Uh, I think just by virtue of the fact that they, they could save, you know, up to $8 million by, by getting rid of him or restructuring his deal or trading him somewhere. And they saw how the, how the defense worked without, without Barr this year. And you know, it, you would assume Eric Wilson walks too. Maybe you go with like you re-sign Todd Davis or something, pair him with Eric Hendricks. Um, maybe you just realize linebacker doesn't, you don't need to have necessarily 
uh, a $15 million year at both linebacker spots in the, in the NFL. Um, I don't expect that to happen because just Barr does so many things for Mike Zimmer that other linebackers can't, you know, most linebackers can't sugar the A-gaps and then cover a running back out to the flat. Most linebackers can't take on an offensive tackle as a pass rusher. Anthony Barr can do both of those things. He's kind of a freak um, at his size and his, his athleticism is just a very, I mean, that's why he was drafted so highly. So he can do a lot of things. And that's why I think the bike can covet him and pay him so highly, despite, you know, mediocre PFF grades or whatever. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect Barr to be gone. But, you know, if the cap does hit the floor, I think that's, you know, that's the sort of situation we'd be looking at there as a, as, as a guy who you could see possibly because, you know, they're not going to move on from Thielen. They're probably not going to move on from Smith, even though those, though those guys are aging. There's nothing that they can really do about Kirk Cousins right now. So, you know, if, if at the point where you need to draw blood from a stone, it's pro- Anthony Barr is probably the first guy you look to. I think All too, right. Nick. Yeah. Nick, to your point, real quick about um, Mike Zimmer had to purge his defense last year, even though a lot of those guys were, I guess, quote unquote, obvious guys to to you know let go. Xavier Rhodes, Linval Joseph, you know, a few of those guys. Um, all the other cornerbacks. Um, Zim's in a situation where he's basically win now or go home, literally, like next season. Um, I don't, I don't expect him to let any of his, like, I guess, his core players go. I, I don't think I don't see him letting that budge. I see, like he's very much going to be a line in the sand. These are my untouchables, no matter what. Um, you made me purge these players last year. It's not happening this year. That's what I view it. Like that's why I just don't see Bar going anywhere. Um, and I, I don't think they should touch his contract either. But well, do you see do you see Jamar Steven going anywhere? Yeah, but he's a lesser he's a lesser core player, and he's a lesser like in terms of cap and replacement, that's, that's where I think yeah. Shamar Stefan might be a little bit less of like an easier see you later than uh, an Anthony Barr for obvious reasons. Yeah. Well, this is, I guess my, my question, and I have more to say after I ask, ask a question, but the question also is like, you got to look at the unrestricted free agents and, and ask who you're bringing back, because this is where I get to yeah. start to get really worried about the Vikings roster, a roster who had, had issues with depth last year in, in 2020. And when you just, I, I think most people would look at the unrestricted free agent list and said, and saying, we're not going to bring a lot of these people back. Uh, that That's really tough to say because in an ideal situation, um, you know, that how you, how, when you cut a guy, you want people behind him. So look at Kyle Rudolph. It makes sense to cut him, not just because he's expensive, but because we saw Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin come back into play. Uh, Shamar Steven, you know, underperforming player. Sure. It might make sense to cut him, but you get, you, you include the fact that Jaleel Johnson is an unrestricted free agent as well. So what's your depth on the, on the at defensive tackle, you already need a new three technique, and now you're going to cut Shamar Steven and let Jaleel Johnson walk. So you, I mean, who who is your? Uh, you don't have a single backup defensive tackle. Same thing with um, just letting Anthony Harris walk at free safety. So now we need we need a free safety. We need a backup linebacker because Eric Wilson is an unrestricted free agent. We need two backup defensive tackles. We need a starting edge rusher to put across from Daniil Hunter. That's five, that's five, six positions already just on the defense. And then you still got to fix left guard or right guard, whatever guard position sucks more. Because even if Dakota Dozier was a good player, he's an unrestricted free agent. If you cut Riley Reef, well, Rashad Hill, our, our swing tackle, is an unrestricted free agent. We don't have a backup quarterback. Our backup quarterback is an unrestricted free agent. So nobody signed like, Sean Mannion. But. Okay. It, well, are we going <laughs> to resign him back? That's the question. Are we going to cut Jamar Steven just to resign Sean Mannion? Um, and it's just when you start talking about it, it's not just one or two holes here. We've got like nine or 10, maybe even 11 holes throughout the roster. So where's that coming from? Danielle so, Hunter and Michael Pierce are coming back, and all of our problems are solved. Flip. I'm not sure I'm what you're talking baby. about. I'm 100% with what Flip's saying, but like a Shamar Stefan and a, um, Jaleel Johnson, both are replacement level players. You can go sign guys to vet minimum deals to give the production that they gave. So okay. I'd rather save money 
by cutting Shamar Stefan and signing a a, 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 a vet minimum min deal on a, at, a, at a D tackle than to keep Shamar so, Stefan at his at $5 million cap hit that he has. Would you yeah. go find a new vet or would you re-sign Jaleel Johnson? I wouldn't bring either one back. I don't think either guy has proven that they should be in Minnesota in 2021. I really don't. Okay. Um, Jaleel okay. Johnson has had four years. Jaleel Johnson had four years to show something. He finally had two, the last two years where he really got more playing time and he didn't show much of anything. So like maybe they bring him back. I don't, I don't think they should, but maybe they do as a depth rotation piece, but he's the guy that you're okay moving on from. Yeah. I bring Shamar any, back for vet minimum if he takes that, you know, yeah, like Shamar he, was, that vet he wasn't a good player, player, but compared to Jaleel Johnson, he was a good player. So. <laughs> Are you bringing back any, any of our unrestricted free agents? Cause that's, that's the first move that we hear about is, Hey, the Vikings agreed to re-sign CJ ham and they, they, Agreed to resign. So are you bringing, for are we are we bringing any of these unrestricted free agents back? I mean, they're bringing BB back. <laughs> they're bringing BB's BB's back. They're gonna, BB's they're gonna slap a second round tender. BB's they're gonna, gonna, they're gonna put a first round tender on Chad BB. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would let most of these guys walk. I would offer vet minimum deals to bring back like um Rashad Hill. Rashad Hill, Hill, but he, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna get more than that, and they've got um waiting in the wings as that swing ta- swing tackle. Um, I mean, Rashad Hill Rashad had a chance. Last somebody year. gonna pay Rashad Hill? They, Are they, they paid him. They tendered him what a second round tender or something. So they were paying like three million for him this year. So I, I think somebody's going to pay him backup tackle money, uh, which is which is you know a decent amount. I don't know. I would bring back Brett Jones. I would bring back Todd Davis. Those guys were like. You know, they're backup levels, but if they're willing to take back of money, I think they're worth it. I would bring back Chris Jones. You know, he's never going to be necessarily a, an amazing starting level cornerback, but for like a guy where they signed off of waivers in the middle of the season, I thought he did pretty well. Um, Afadi's probably coming back on a second round tender. Um, and then, you oh, know what? Do, I, I will, They do not need to make him a second round tender, though, do they? <laughs> I, I think with his production over the last couple of years, somebody else is probably going to be willing to pay more than, you know, two, $3 million for him or whatever. Three and a half. I he's, think their, is he's, their, he's their Eric Wilson so. then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Wilson, I think is gone. I would give, I would, I would give Harris an offer sheet, but I, I bet somebody else is going to be willing to pay more. I, I think his, his struggles, Harris's struggles this year were overblown. Um, I don't think he lived up to his play the last couple of years, but I would still be willing to pay him. Um, but at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of good safeties on the market. You got Marcus May, you yep. got, um, Justin Simmons, who if, if Denver doesn't lock him up, you've got, uh, Marcus Williams out of new Orleans. Yeah. You got a lot of, a lot of good safeties out there on the market this year too. So, um, you know, I'd be happy to have Harris back. I, maybe that's controversial, but, um, I, I it's think not controversial. Familiar- I, I completely but agree. I think I'm not spending. The, I'm not spending the ten million dollars it might take to keep him, though. No way. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, if, yeah if I would that much I'd rather if, put if that money at the cornerback. Price is that high? But I, I could see. I mean, if there's a way to get Anthony Harris back here at like a five to seven million dollar range, um, I, I think you got to look at that. And, and if I, I'm I him, know if I'm, if I'm him, if I'm him, there's paid. no way. If I'm him, okay, there's no yeah. way the, Vi- the, Vi- the Vikings stopped okay. me from getting paid last offseason. I'm not going to let them get me back at a cheaper deal to stay. What? I'd rather well, go he's somewhere else. Get a improve. cheaper deal somewhere. So I'm not saying he's going to get le- he's going to get less money than he would have in the open market last year. But like the Vikings right. slapped him in the face and said, "You're coming back uh, here. You know, here's 11 million guaranteed instead of the 20 20 plus he was about to get. So I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back to Minnesota unless they're showing me the papers. So. That's just, if right. I was him. That's just me. That's just me. So Brad Spielberger over at PFF, formerly over the cap, projected um, Harris to sign for four years, fifty-six million dollars, fourteen million dollars a year. So yep. I mean, yeah. I, would have, I would love to have him back at like ten million, but at fourteen million, Vikings can't even afford that. So if the, no, if the exactly, Vikings exactly. spend ten million dollars, if the Vikings spend ten million dollars in free agency on a defensive back and it's not a corner. I'll flip my mind. I'll I'll flip the fuck out because <laughs> cornerback is proven. <laughs> this cornerback is more important, obviously, but they need it more because yeah. if they're going to keep Harrison Smith, 
it's proven that they can find somebody to help fill the role uh, next to him that can at least be admirable. Mm-hmm. Like, at least go get yeah, someone that okay. can help be – they don't have to be a true shutdown corner, but they have to be someone that can be, you know, average to above average at that position if you're going to spend that kind of money. So, yeah. no. <laughs> I, if they're spending another <laughs> 10-plus million at DB and it's not a corner, I'm out. All right. So, <laughs> so that all, – all the discussion we just had on unrestricted free agents – and who they should cut to create cap room. I, I think that I, I just think that conversation changes what you think they need to do in free agency. So after all we just said, Miles, Nick, Jason, what are your top three positional needs in free agency for Minnesota? All of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll let, I, I can I can jump in first. I, I'm sure we're all in agreement yeah. to some capacity. Yeah. I'll jump first. I think for me, uh, in no particular order, someone get, came at me about an order of what I thought the Vikings needs are. Whatever. I don't care about like adre- address them. So like you can order them however you want to. Just address them. Um, for me, I'll say that for the three, I'd say interior offensive line, uh, interior defensive line, and cornerback are my top three that I think they should address in, in free agency. Mm-hmm. For me, assuming Harris walks, safety is a priority. Um, they can also, I mean, a lot of these you can, uh, you can fill either free agency or the draft, but I'd say the, the, the biggest holes on the roster are um, at guard or left tackle of brief walks too. And then second edge rusher opposite Hunter and three technique um, and then safety. And then I don't know if you want to include kicker or punter, um, but I'm assuming Bailey and Colquitt <laughs> might not be back either. So you got to think about those. Too Bailey, it, Bailey's got more dead money than the savings, so he's back. Oh, yeah. That's why they They're didn't get him this year. They will yeah. bring They're him back. back. So, so, so if you're putting like million, it, it, you would you would only save like 1.5 million if you cut him, but you would yeah. still save 1.5 million. You could use that to go yeah. sign, you know. Cobra Kai back or something. So they'll they'll draft draft somebody. Whoever is out there. We all know they're going to draft somebody. uh, We're spending money in the trenches because generally you can find bargains in in the trenches Mm -hmm. um, at the kind of undervalued spots. So the league also knows those spots are undervalued. So you can find guards for not a lot of money that can come in and do enough of what we need them to do. And you can also find like rotational players at the interior D line. So those would be the places I would want to address in in free agency because uh, they're not premium spots. Like the other spots, like cornerback, safety, those are going to be expensive, and we are broke. So like we're going to have to take some shots in the draft to try to get talent at those no, spots. No, no. Uh, but like Miles has said, maybe we still we spend all of our money on bringing in like one good cornerback because we need one because we, we we do need that. But uh, yeah, a splash like that, perhaps. But for me, uh, I would like the to focus on the trenches in free agency because there's value to be had there. And as much as people want us to draft those positions early, those guys usually take a bit of time to to mature and bulk up and get strong enough, even when they get to the league. So you spend the draft capital on them, and then you're just mad that they're getting manhandled by grown ass men when they get to the league. So it's like the third year before they end up really actually being good anyway. Just go find a vet who isn't great, but is good enough to do what we need him to do. We've Miles. seen this Viking, we've seen this Vikings team over the last three years attempt to make a splash move in free agency to make to sign one higher profile free agent. Last year they were going after Trent Williams, and they to me Anthony Harris was their prize free agent because they spent eleven million dollars on him. Before that. You know they they went out and got um, whom I'm looking gotta look at their roster. Um, like they've Boone. spent they spent yeah fuck Boone. Um, no, but like uh, I guess you know Josh Klein and a, a few other guys that they, they've gone out and made I guess quote unquote splash moves every season in the last three seasons in free agency. Like so or have, or have at least attempted to. So I think that we're gonna see them make uh, to flip point. What what's the point of the, of the 2021 season if they're not trying to make all-in moves. I mean, they they got no other choice because their job's on the line. So I would I would expect them to try to make some sort of splash moves. Now, like to your point, the cap limits the amount of that those splash moves, but I would expect at least one or two attempts at at it to happen. Okay. Well, there it is, gentlemen. Duh. We've made it all the way through. 
as always, it is a pleasure to come through, chop it up with you, chop it up with you fellas here on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, before we go, before I really finish the wrap up, Flip, can you just can you say what Donnie needs you to say so he can go on with the rest of his day? I love you too, Donnie. Sleep well, my princess. <laughs> All the love for 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 Donnie and uh, gentlemen. Thanks for coming through. Uh, Viewers, thanks for the amazing comments. Mary, thanks for controlling, keeping everybody in line in there, letting them know what it is. And uh, David, come on through, hit that mute button, and let us know what's going on. We'll we'll talk free agency next podcast. Yes. Hey, everybody. I want to thank everybody that joined us tonight and communicated with us. We always do appreciate that. As Jason just said, also, to let you know, tomorrow night we're debuting a new show called Vikings Happy Hour. So make sure you join us for this new show. See you then. Skull, everybody. Skull Vikes. Play the music. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Roll, everybody.